0: From ancient times, the Liturgy of the Hours has served as the public and communal prayer of God's people. It has been called the Vox Sponse, the voice of a bride addressed to her bridegroom. It is the very prayer which Christ Himself, together with His Church, offers to the Father for the glory of God and the salvation of the world. Hey, everyone, you're listening to Vox Sponse, a podcast on the Liturgy of the Hours. This is episode one, and my name is Nathan Wigfield. I serve as the director of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, and I'm joined by my good friend Gabriel Crawford in Seattle, Washington. How are you doing, Gabriel?
1: Nate, I'm great. I'm great. Hey, let's. I know this is episode one, but we got to get this clear. It's Vox Sponse.
0: Vox Sponse. There it is. <sighs>
1: Uh, you I already messed mind. it
0: up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh,
0: I knew that was going to happen. Vogue Sponse. Yep. All right. Well, this is our first episode. And um, yeah, what are uh, what's on the docket for today? I think uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about um, why a podcast on the Liturgy of the Hours.
1: Exactly. Why the liturgy of the hours, and also maybe just a quick introduction to how we got into the liturgy of the hours personally.
0: Sounds good. So I'll I'll go ahead and kick us off. Um, in terms of uh, just how I came to discover the liturgy of the hours, I think kind of going all the way back to uh, well, I'll just say you know growing up, I grew up uh, in an evangelical Christian home. And uh, prayer was a very important part of our family, uh, but most of all, uh, it was the stress was on you know personal devotions, reading scripture, uh, speaking to God from your heart. Um, and I kind of carried that with me uh, throughout uh, uh, throughout my teenage years and uh, into early adulthood. I, w- I remember going to college, and even at that point, I remember this kind of. Um, uh, I was unsettled with how to how to pray. Um, it was very it was very difficult for me. You know, speaking to God from the heart just didn't come naturally. Uh, fast forward to when I entered into an evangelical seminary, and uh, we were at the time we were church planting in Southern California, and I remember just starting to discover in the evangelical world kind of a rediscovery of. Of liturgy and liturgical prayer. And I remember the first time coming across this, you know, there's a whole wave of of new books coming out on spiritual discipline and how to pray according to uh, the wisdom of the fathers and mothers of the church. And I remember kind of coming across this and just feeling this like weight drop from my shoulders. Uh, You know, all of a sudden, like we were discovering the beauty of written prayers, you know, things that were kind of forbidden growing up, you know, you would never write out your prayers or you would never read prayers. And uh, this was something that uh, really came as a a breath of fresh air for me. It kind of really sparked uh, a new flame, I think, in uh, in my spiritual life. And uh, before long, I started to discover uh, some different resources that were being put out uh, that basically followed what we know as the Liturgy of the Hours. Uh, But, you know, things like uh, the Book of Common Prayer, which was, you know, put out by Anglicans. Uh, You had Celtic Daily Prayer. You had um, another volume, I think, uh, released from some folks. I think it was Common Prayer. And uh, these were all kind of followed the pattern uh, of, you know, three Psalms, a reading from Scripture, some intercessions, etc., and i just started to dabble in this and really found it to be a uh, a beautiful way of praying and i found that it started to give a uh, voice to my own prayers my own longings my own desires and uh and this was coming you know the the beauty of it the power of it was that you know it, there were really no tricks to it we were just praying the psalms um and so we started to i started to realize wow there's a great depth in this great prayer book that uh, God himself has given us uh, through sacred scripture. And, uh, and so as I ended up coming into the Catholic church, converting about four and a half years ago, I had already started to pray on a regular basis, uh, the divine office or the liturgy of the hours uh, that is um, prayed uh, by priests and religious in the Catholic church, but is also prayed widely by many laity I had already started to pray morning prayer and had tried to uh integrate midday prayer, evening prayer, office of readings at different times. And uh and it just started to become a staple in my own life. Uh we I got a uh I was fortunate enough to uh, get a position uh working doing adult faith formation in a parish and immediately formed a, a group of about uh ten folks who gathered every other week uh, to uh, to pray together uh, to uh, read the, the works of the saints and um, and one of our disciplines that we had together was praying evening prayer every time we gathered and uh, this just became a real staple for our community and it just kind of grew from there I think for me personally uh, just wanting to integrate more and more of the Liturgy of the hours into my own life because it was just honestly it just led to such great Uh, joy for me uh growth in my relationship with christ a desire for holiness and um altogether i mean that's led to where i am today now working full-time as a director of a retreat center that uh that is devoted to praying and promoting the liturgy of the hours uh as the as the prayer of the church so
1: yeah you know my life um just kind of my introduction into praying the liturgy, the hours is uh, is a little different. You know, I grew up not in the church. Uh, my mom was an addict. My my father wasn't in, in the home, and I didn't become a Christian until uh, junior in high school. And so we obviously didn't pray <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a family or, or read the scriptures together. I had mm-hmm. actually only been to uh, church like three or four times um, when I up until when I became a Christian and when I became a uh, Protestant at a Presbyterian church in, in Pittsburgh um, I was really quickly introduced to the more charismatic uh, aspect of mm-hmm. the faith um, and so I think I was introduced to praying Praying uh ooh, I wouldn't say praying the Bible, but I would say reading the Bible. So prayer was usually reading the Bible um, and and more of petitions asking God things I needed and, and things like that. And and I think I really prayed at like when desperate moments happened. I remember mm-hmm. my first girlfriend when when we broke up and I was outside the church. And I was on my hands and knees, you know i'm dying, oh my gosh, how am I going to get <laughs> by? My whole life is ended, and um, I'm just crying out to god and that was that's when I was really praying, and probably mm-hmm. one of some of the only times when I was really praying, um, so you know, thank God she broke my heart <clears throat> and, you know, i ha- I have moved on, but uh you know, after I became a christian i my heart I wanted to become a pastor. I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. Um, and so going to college and I would continue to, I think I'd continue to have a relationship with God, um, trying to figure out how to pray, always wrapped up in mostly petitions and reading the Bible, mm-hmm. which, is, which, are, which are all good. Um, <clears throat> but it's difficult for a kid with ADD you know, ADHD, it's like my prayers were the prayers of an ADHD kid. They're all over the place mm-hmm. and, uh, with little structure. But when I, years later, you know, I think starting in about 2008, um, excuse me, 2000, yeah, 2008 or so, when I went to seminary, uh, Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, setting to become Pres- Presbyterian pastor, I, um, was started I started to be introduced through a spiritual formation class to uh, centering prayer and the prayer of examine, so I began to be introduced to more structured prayers and then the following year, I took a class on Celtic Christianity, and for that class, we were asked to pray morning and evening prayer. We were given the Celtic Delhi prayer book, which essentially was A, a, um, it had morning, evening prayer, compline, some, some uh, devotional readings, and for each morning and evening, it had a psalm. And so I was introduced to the ancient practice of praying at fixed points of the day, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which, as we know, is, is rooted into, um, the Jewish prayer practice, you know, Mm -hmm. and and it just stuck with me. It, It began to give me structure to my prayer and which is something i really needed and over time it grew to as as i was moving to becoming catholic um i think i i don't even know how i i think it moved from that to like an anglican prayer book the book of common prayer Mm -hmm. And and just kind of providentially, as I was journeying along in my faith, just stumbling on things, stumbling on the Celtic Daily Prayer Book, st- stumbling on the Book of Common Prayer, and then stumbling on uh, the 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 abbreviated version of the Liturgy of the Hours, the, mm-hmm. the 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 quote Christian Prayer uh, Book which has morning and evening prayer compline, as a few things. And, and so that introduced me to the liturgy the hours as a specific form of this fixed hour prayer within the Roman Catholic Church. And so I started praying that. And after becoming Catholic uh, and discerning religious life, discerning priesthood for a number of years, it, it really became just part of, of how I would pray. Mm-hmm. especially once entering into uh, the diocesan and seminary. As a community, we would pray it morning and evening. Uh, we'd pray compline. We were, we were expected to pray all the hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were never really told, we were never taught um, this, the spirituality or the content of, of the liturgy of the hours. And um, so it was something you had to figure out and then once discerning, uh, discerning marriage and, and leaving the seminary, um, it's become a continued part of my prayer life. And now it's a matter of learning how to pray the liturgy, of the hours as a lay person, as, as a stay-at-home father, and how to fit, to fit it into my life the way my life is concretely now.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I remember uh, when you're in seminary, remember you coming over to the house and uh, you know, I don't know what time, it, I I, th- I want to say it was around noon or perhaps, you know what, perhaps it was evening because I, I kind of think it was evening prayer. But uh, we had a prayer room in our home and I remember you saying, hey, it's time for evening prayer. Do you want to uh, go up to the prayer room and pray together? And uh, that was actually the first time I was introducing, introduced to chanting the Psalms. And, you know, that's stuck with me because I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of things, uh, especially as a, you know, in your case, stay at home dad. But, you know, for for us, you know, we have uh, we have three kids, you know, homeschooling, we're di- you know, a lot of things going on. Uh, but uh, to press pause and to say, no, it's time to pray. We need to stop and we need to pray as a family um, is such a gift. You know, it's just amazing what that can do mm-hmm. for us in family life, and so I think uh, you know, and that just speaks to I think my hope that a podcast like this would be a resource. You know, of course, not only to I would love for priests and religious to to be able to to listen in, um, but uh, also and especially uh, lay people who um, find themselves in you know in the middle of their you know daily tasks and routines. Uh, hopefully finding and discovering the beauty of praying fixed hour prayer and making some of those small sacrifices that are needed to make in order to introduce that into their lives.
1: Yeah, you know, that's a good point. Actually, I still still do that with my kids today. Like, I hit pause, right? They're in their high chairs. They're 19 months. They're flipping out, (laughs)
0: losing
1: their minds. Like, no, I will not eat this cheese. And I say, boys, pause. They say, yes, dad. It is time for vespers, and they say, "Okay, they, they they usually don't walk, but in that moment, they get down from their high chairs, they put on their cassocks. We don't wear albs <laughs> in this family, and they put on their cassocks and surplices, and they we go to the prayer room that we don't have, and we we pray vespers. They chant them, and so it's it's just it's beautiful. I'm amazed at their spiritual uh, robustness at 19 months." cold and, and then when we're done they get right back into their high chairs and they start losing their minds again so it's it's cool it's cool <laughs>
0: well, and that's a, I, I mean wish. that's the reality you know it's like it's like it's messy you know especially you know when you're doing it with kids like you know it is messy you know we start our homeschool days up here at the at the house of prayer with uh morning prayer at eight o'clock and you know on days when the kids are not here you know of course it's so quiet it's peaceful we have the blessing of having you know the blessed sacrament here so we're praying before our lord and uh and then on those days when homeschool when we begin homeschool with morning prayer the kids just start running in You know, you hear their foot footsteps as soon as they open the door, (laughs) Here they come charging in the chapel. You know, you have, uh, you know, my boys are usually leading the way, you know, they're like turning their pages, flipping their pages back and forth or, you know, Ava's kind of, you know, jumping over us and uh, everybody's kind of moving around and all flustered. And, but you realize, I mean, this is where, this is the church, you know, this is where, this is where a prayer life begins you know, it begins in the family. And, uh, and so I think to, to really uh, be realistic about the nature or about what that actually looks like in practice, um, is a, it's a freeing thing to be able to, to pray with your family, and to do it as imperfectly as we do it. You know, we're remembering that how did Christ come in our midst, like he came in the family. Mm And so uh, that's where we trust that God meets us, right in the mi- middle of, of, the, of the mess. And, uh, and so it's a shame, I think, to, um, to think uh, that somehow, you know, liturgical prayer cannot fit within the family. Uh, because I, I think it's just, it's false. It's, uh, l- liturgical prayer belongs in the family. And uh, and so hopefully you know so what we're doing here and and just uh, can be an encouragement to some uh, who maybe you know have been deterred uh, from introducing the liturgy of the hours because of how imperfectly it seems uh, it is when we pray it as a family.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, and we'll need to have a whole podcast on right, right. Uh, praying the liturgy of the hour with kids. And but what what do you think? Some reasons. Are on your end that to start this podcast on liturgy of the hours?
0: Yeah, so I think for me personally, but also kind of bound up with uh, my work at the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, uh, it's a desire of ours to uh, not only pray the liturgy of the hours we do that uh, seven times a day here uh, in our chapel, uh, but uh, but also to promote the liturgy of the hours, uh, which is essentially essentially means that we want to share it. We want to share it with others, and I think for me personally. Um, I want to share most, uh, most of all with others, the things that have so deeply impacted me in my life. And liturgy of the hours is one of those things that, um, it's really, actually, it's not even on the same plane as, as other things. I mean, I certainly, you know, uh, will send people, uh, you know, I'll refer people to books and resources and things like that, that I find to be helpful for different things. But, sharing the Liturgy of the Hours is like sharing one of the greatest treasures that we have as Catholics. Um, and so, uh, so I just see this as a means of, uh, of doing that, of really um, of promoting, of sharing uh, the great treasure that the Liturgy of the Hours is to us um, as Catholics. And, you know, so I think a question would be, well, why? Why is it such a treasure how is it such a treasure? How is it different from, let's say other, other prayers or other devotions? And I would say that one, it's sacred liturgy. Um, it is, it belongs together with the sacrifice of the mass as really the source and summit of our salvation, our life as Catholics. And so, um, it is, uh, you know, our founder here at the House of Prayer says, you know, the liturgy of the hours is a prayer, has a power and degree of effectiveness that no other prayer has. And it's true, because actually, I think those are the words of the church, um, is that, you know, this prayer is unique because it is the very prayer that Christ himself, together with his body, offers to the Father for the glory of God and the salvation of the world. Um, And as I've kind of uh, as I've read through so many church documents and writings from the lives of the saints on the divine office, on the liturgy of the hours, I've come to identify three things that I think are really helpful just in terms of like, of, uh, of understanding the import of, of praying the liturgy of the hours. The first thing is that it unites us to Christ. That's a promise. The church makes a promise that when we pray the liturgy of the hours, we are united to the prayer of Christ. It's actually his prayer that's being offered that we are joining in and so there's a intimacy that we share with Christ uh, that um, you know is not uh that simply is uh that we're not able to enjoy apart from the liturgy of the hours and uh, together with the mass forming together the sacred liturgy The second thing is is that it binds us to the faithful of every time and place and I think you know we all long for community we all want to Uh, we all find great uh, meaning and significance in things that we're able to share in with one another. And, you know, there's nothing that binds us so intimately to others, especially the saints, uh, the blessed, the the faithful here on earth, um, as does the sacred liturgy. Um, And so when we pray together, the liturgy of the hours, we're united, we're bound to all those who are praying now, but have also gone before us. Um, and have prayed, have prayed this prayer, have offered this prayer, uh, in union with Christ in the past. And so we're all bound up together. And then of course, uh, we're also joined to those in, in heaven, uh, who are, uh, singing these praises before the throne of God. Yeah. Just,
1: just a quick comment on that about we are bound to others, um, beyond time and place right like when we pray the liturgy of the hours it is not merely and simply a solitary activity if i'm praying it in my living room right nor is it a com- simply a communal activity if i'm praying it in the church with those around me right hmm. it's bigger and broader and deeper i'm praying with the saints in heaven Mm-hmm. who are engaging in this prayer united and how that happens i don't know are are, are they yeah you know, it, it's not that's not really the point but or the angelic host where mm-hmm. we're all united in in this prayer and that's that is real mm-hmm. and and reality is broader than that which i can see with my eyes
0: mhm absolutely so
1: I, I just wanted to elucidate that point Yeah, but your third point, go, go on, go on.
0: Yeah, so um, the third point is that it sanctifies our day um, and our activities. And again, I think all three of these are, you know, they're not just uh, pious reflections or ethereal truths. You know, they're. uh, But I think this last one, this last one, is really where the rubber meets the road. The reality that when we give our life more um, habitually to to prayer, to offering up our, uh, the praises of God, what effectively what happens is our responsibilities, the tasks that we have to, um, uh, go about doing throughout our day uh, the time of each day is actually it's sanctified by the prayer of the church and the prayer of Christ himself. And so, um, they're sanctified, they're consecrated to God. And so how this is physically, uh, felt, I think, um, is when, you know, as we just actually talked about, is when you press pause and when you stop what you're doing for, you know, think about midday prayer. I mean, midday prayer can take as little as five to seven minutes to pray. But when you press pause, when you take that time to pray the divine praises and to offer them to the Lord in the middle of the day, I mean, it, you know, it reorients your heart towards its one goal. And its one goal is to be in union with Christ and all His saints in heaven, praising the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit and so I think those three things, as we lay those out, are compelling reasons to have a podcast uh to about the Liturgy of the hours so that we can share it and hopefully inspire others to maybe you know pick up the Liturgy of the hours, whether it be in book form uh, an app mm. and uh and just begin to introduce even one of the hours into their lives um and then for those who are also al- already praying uh we have a chance to open up the liturgy of the hours for them maybe in a way that uh hasn't been done before so that they can pray not only um you know actually uh you know pray the prayer but also to enter more deeply into it so
1: yeah yeah that's good that's good you know um i was thinking of First Thessalonians uh, chapter five, mm. Saint Paul says, "Rejoice always, mm. pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you." And that, in that, the words "pray constantly" mm-hmm. th- that impa- that impacts me. You know, I, th- I think of breathing. If I pray like I breathe, then there's not a moment moment in which i'm not praying Mm -hmm. i'm becoming prayer Mm -hmm. but if i think a little deeper about my breathing is well i'm not praying infinitely i'm not praying without ceasing or sorry i'm not breathing infinitely or not i'm not breathing unceasingly because in reality i breathe in and there is a pause Mm. and then i breathe out and there is a natural pause in which I'm actually not breathing. And in a way, the liturgy, of the hours is I think the time in between is kind of like that natural pause in my breathing is it it's it's like this deep breath of the church, mm-hmm. you know and and th- this analogy isn't perfect, but I think praying constantly can be this moment when I stop in the morning and I pray. The morning prayer and and then I go about my day and I, I try and keep a, a recollection of heart which is all prayer and and then I take that that next breath in the afternoon and mm-hmm. then into the evening and then compline and I am praying constantly and then that builds into the next day and I am praying constantly even though there are these natural pauses of hours um, mm-hmm. and minutes in between the two you know and the liturgy the hours, is so that we can fulfill this command of paul which is a command of jesus to pray always and and to not grow weary and so as we get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast i think you know we're gonna we're gonna have episodes about like a particular psalm Mm -hmm. or an episode about the response a responsory of that week or an episode about one of the readings, let's say one of the readings about, of St. Augustine um, from the Office of Readings. And so there's a real opportunity for us to discuss a variety of topics and questions that the Divine Office is going to uh, bring up. And we'll be able to engage important items of faith and morals and virtues, uh, evangelization, um, social engagement. You know, so I think there's going to be a real broadness to this podcast that the Liturgy of the Hours is going to bring up for us.
0: Yeah, and I think that's fitting because the sacred liturgy is inexhaustible. You can't exhaust the sacred liturgy. And I think that's, you know, even look at if it's true of the mass, it's true of the divine office as well, because together they form the whole of the sacred liturgy. You know, I'm looking forward to this uh not just because I want to share it with others, but because I think this is going to be a great blessing for me to be able to go deeper um and to uh and to really be able to um, explore uh more of of what the liturgy of the hours is and what it uh its meaning and significance for my own life
1: Something I've been thinking about of you, you said it's an opportunity for me uh to go deeper into, into these things, um, for your own spiritual growth, I, uh, I took a, um, did you ever take like a spiritual gifts assessment type of thing at our church? I'm, I'm volunteering with this, uh, we have this missionary internship program. Mm -hmm. So we have missionaries, uh, come in from all over the country and, and so I'm, I'm starting to, uh, help kind of co-lead, um, this internship program we took the spiritual uh, gifts assessment and, and, you know, I, I took it with some kind of, I was a little skeptical. And, um, but one of the, I was trying to be honest with the questions and one of them that came up was like charism of knowledge. And so I think this podcast, you know, gives me the opportunity to explore, like, maybe this is a charism um, that the Holy Spirit has given me. I think when I was confirmed Catholic in 2000, you were there, right? My confirmation, yeah. like Monday morning, 7:30 30 a.m. you know, like normal, like most people when they're confirmed, I've never done anything normal, but, uh,
0: the only ones in attendance I, were Protestant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> um, and the little old lady in the back of the church. Yeah, so, yeah. uh, but where I was going was, um, I think since I was confirmed, my mind and thinking has become more clear. Hmm. Just there's a certain clarity in my thinking and understanding concepts of the church. And the podcast gives me the opportunity to, to speak into the things in which I'm learning, um, And things in which I'm engaging. And if the Holy Spirit really is giving me a charism of knowledge, then I have to practice it. Because if you don't practice the charisms, they're not serving the purpose in which God has given you, given them to you to bless the church. It's kind of an example for all of us, right? What are the, the Holy Spirit has given us charisms. We need to really discern and pray about what are they. And then, if the Lord and if the Holy Spirit has given us a charism of prophecy or healing or evangelism or music, we need to we need to use it for the Mm -hmm. glory of God.
0: And to bring it full circle, there is no greater place to which we can turn in order to find the true inspiration and also the flowering of and flourishing of those gifts than the sacred liturgy the sacred liturgy is for it yeah. it is the source and summit and so you know to as important as you know as you said putting those gifts into practice for the building up of the body is to receive the fullness of inspiration from the spirit of god who has given us those gifts and to to br- to find their true and proper end which is the building up of the body and the glorification of God we must continually return to the sacred liturgy so, you know why do we believe that the liturgy of the hours the divine office the prayer of the church why do we think it's so important for the health of the church as a whole certainly individually as members of the body for members of the body but also for the church as a whole because it's it is the It is the fount. It is the fount of grace from which flows everything that we need as the church to be holy and spotless and unblemished in the sight of the Lord. And it is also the place that we can constantly, that we need to constantly return to in order to give right worship to God, because it is the prayer of Christ Himself. And He alone gives right worship to the Father. So I think, you know, as we kind of bring things to an end, um, I just wanted to, I wanted to read this quote by Blessed Columba Marmion. He says, I'm firmly convinced that the more one advances in life, the more one has relations with God, the better one understands the grandeur of the divine praise in the office. There is no other work which approaches even remotely this praise. Built up around the holy sacrifice, which is its center, it constitutes the purest form of glory which man can give to God because it is the most intimate association of the soul with the canticle which the Word Incarnate renders to the adorable Trinity.
1: I think nothing else needs to be said on my end. That's good.
0: All right. well, We'll give the last word to Blessed Columba Marmion then. Excellent. Okay. All right, Nate. Yeah. Well, go I'm going to
1: go get some uh, babies up. Oh, okay. let uh, close in right. prayer.
0: Yeah, sounds good.
1: <laughs> in the name of the Father, and the
0: Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May Almighty God bless us, protect us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. In the name of the Amen. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, Gabriel. Amen. Go get those boys. Until next week. All right. See we'll you later. Thank you for listening to Vox Sponse, a podcast on the Liturgy of the Hours brought to you by the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in the Diocese of Erie, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours, the public and communal prayer of the Catholic Church. For more information, visit us online at liturgyofthehours.org.